This is your front row seat to the lives of high performers in finance, tech, and the fight world. Get the perspective that most hosts don't offer. Listen to people who walk the walk and achieve the supposed to be unthinkable. Welcome to the Corporate Warrior. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut episode of The Corporate Warrior. So today we have Matt Lishing. Matt is the co-owner of Madfit MMA. Matt hails from a family of boxers. Leonard Lishing, Matt's great uncle, won an Olympic bronze and Commonwealth gold in 1952 and 54, respectively. Lishing's first round opponent at the Olympic Games was Emmanuel Agassi, who is actually the father of tennis champion great Andre Agassi. Matt has coached both in the EFC and the UFC. He's a decorated boxing coach, having proven success with both amateur and professional boxers. Madfit MMA has gone from strength to strength and now ranks as one of the top boxing gyms on the African continent, offering boxing, kickboxing, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu for those of all levels. Today we hear from Matt how he's managed to balance a fruitful coaching career in, in the sweet science whilst being successful in the business world. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gents. Welcome to the debut episode of The Corporate Warrior. Today I have with me the owner of Madfit MMA. He's Matt Leishing. Uh, some of you may know him in the Cape Town area as a top-class boxing coach. Um, as you heard in the intro, he comes from a line of boxers from Commonwealth and Olympic medals. Um, so, Matt, it we want to learn from a corporate side of things. We're not; It's not just a plain boxing interview. We want to know... Sure. First of all, it was quoted in Global Health and Fitness that 47% of fitness professionals lost their jobs in 2020. How did MadFit survive? First of all, Greg, thanks for having me. It's, it's nice to meet you. Um, yeah, I know. So good question. Um, I think, in my opinion, um, a lot of boxing gyms, MMA gyms, fitness industries, they're not run like a business. You know, um, if you if you have a gym, um, if you have an establishment, if you're smart and you do things the right way and you do things um, how you should be doing them and running a business and not living month to month and um, doing things the right way, you, sh- you know, COVID should have been, you should have had a plan, you know. Um, with MadFit, we, we were open uh, five years before, six years before COVID. So we had our loyal clients, you know, we already had built our business. Um, we, uh, we had a good relationship with our landlord and, um, yes, for us, we just, we, 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 it was, it wasn't too difficult for us. We pulled through quite, quite easily, um, with our loyal clients. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, if, if people are running gyms and fitness industries and, and, and they sort of living month to month and, you're not thinking of it as a long-term business, you know. Um, I think that's when, you know, people, I suppose small establishments, if you were new and you just opened a month before COVID, that's different. But if establishments were closing down that were open for years, um, I would, I believe that, you know, maybe that's just some inexperience in business or, or fault that they did their side. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you mentioned the loyal clients. So, let's look at that what makes the law so if you can tell me about your coaching style and how you approach it that's unique that harbors these loyal clients because the way you acquire clients a lot of the characteristics are translatable not just to a boxing gym to any corporate world anything like that the way you acquire clients 
um, it's the gold, it's the gold dust. Yeah, what sets sure. you guys sure. apart? I think um, we we know how to how to alter our training. So we have our world class fighters at the gym, and we understand how to cater for every single person. You know, whether it's people that are coming to train for the first time, people that are looking to lose weight, uh, people that are just looking to learn the art of boxing, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai. Um, we cater for all those people to make sure they're learning every session. Um, they're getting the most the benefits out of, out of uh, martial arts. Um, I think uh, a lot of people, you don't want to be sort of, we're not, I wouldn't, fitness is a big part of martial arts, but what keeps clients and retains clients is them feeling like they're getting better. You know, and if every session they come to, every week they're at the gym, they feel like they're improving, they're getting better, they're learning the, the, they're learning the right skills. Um, I believe that's how you build a loyal client base because learning skills and getting better is something you can't get from any gym. You can get fit at any gym, you know, but are you getting better? That's the question. Yes, yes, and I think, you know, uh, when people feel they're getting better and they, their training is catered to their needs, you know, but at the same time, uh, they're learning. And, yeah, I think And over the years we've had clients felt like, you know, when, you, when you've been open a number of years and you keep that standard throughout the, the amount of time you've been open, um, people believe in your brand and they, they stick around, you know. So I think that was a, a, a really big, big factor of us staying open. Okay. So what I wanted to hear was a, a zero to hero kind of story. Um, very briefly, um, a guy who, a guy, a girl who walked into your gym and you thought with absolutely zero, who you look at now and you're like, Jesus, this is, <laughs> this is a hang of a person. This person is a force yeah. to be reckoned with at the moment. So if you can give us a brief overview right. of one of those zero to hero kind of stories. We, we have quite a few, but I would say the most recent story um, one of my boxers, he came to me, uh, but in 2019, he was about a hundred kilos, um, maybe just over a hundred. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he never had that much confidence, you know, he was sort of, uh, I think he had a bit of a tough childhood, you know, as being an overweight kid and, um, uh, you know, such a good kid and just was someone that, was athletic, but just never had the right guidance or, or the right training, you know. Um, and he came to me and he put his head down and he worked, worked. Uh, he ran. He started training with all my professional fighters. Every time he ran, he was throwing up. Every After every run, he was throwing up. He just like, We love stuck it. At we it. love it. Like one of those, you know, stuck at it. So he was just pushing, like he believed in the system, you know. A lot of people – it's hard to believe in a system if you so if it, especially if it's tough, you know, you think like when, when's this going to end? You know, this is tough. Each session is tough. Am I getting better? Um, you start questioning the, you know, you question yourself, you question the training. Um, but he just stuck with the system and he dropped about 25 kilos. Um, he fought at around 80, 80 kilos, 79 kilos. He fought, um, he won Western province championships he went to nationals, his first nationals. He got a silver medal. Jeez. Then he, he won, he had, I think it was 10 fights in a row, eight, fight, eight knockouts. 
Then we went to nationals again the next year. He fought at cruiserweight. He went up to like mm-hmm. 83 kilos. He got a medal at cruiserweight. Uh, he won Western Province again. Uh, and he, so he, he, his family didn't even recognize him by the change, how he, the physically, his physical shape, his confidence, uh, his whole life changed, you know. And for me, that was probably the most recent, like, zero to hero. Now he's turning professional this year. Um, oh, yeah, he's turning professional this year and he's just like a different person. You know, if you, if you look at him as a teenager to now, he's 23 years old. Um, it's just a, it's a complete turnaround. I don't, I don't think people understand uh, what boxing can do for you and, and what it can, and, and not just boxing, you know, they say boxing uh, changes lives, but it's the people around you in the industry, you know, uh, and the coaches change lives. I, I say, you know, it's not just uh, boxing changes lives. You just go to a boxing gym, and you know that's that's it. I think it's yeah. the key thing is the people in the gym around you. The coaches give you telling you the right things to do, and the coaches putting in a mindset to be able to change your life through boxing. And for me, he's he's probably one of the ones that stand out the most. Um, he's uh, yeah, I mean, he's just you know, uh, he's he's. Um, Family lives in Australia, and okay, when you okay. go, in, he went back there, and they don't literally they don't recognize him. He's like that's incredible. six pack, different person. For me, that's it. quite an amazing, quite an amazing story. Yeah. So, I wanted to touch on white collar boxing. So, for as I understand it, it's people who've never boxed before. So, you could have a accountant, and he says. Matt, I want to lose weight. Matt, I want to learn how to fight. I'm 35 years old. I've never touched a glove before in my life. And through your white-collar clients, what benefits have you seen, not just with their boxing, but with how it's translated into their exterior life? Um, you know, the way with regards to, you know, discipline, um, mental focus, everything along those lines. Can you tell us a bit about those kind of clients that you have? I think... Uh, it helps obviously, you know, weight loss, getting in shape will, will help, um, will help confidence and the discipline to get there, you know, you take into the real world and, um, but, um, yeah, I've seen it, you know, with the white collar boxing, it's something about, there's something about boxing that how it gives you that confidence in the real world, not, not, not just for the weight loss or the, or, or, you know, the physical shape. The thing what boxing does for you mentally, confidence-wise, um, what it does for you, um, mental health. Like I've had people with that come to my gym with you know anxiety, depression. Um, it's just it, what it does for that is unreal, you know. Um, but like I said before, it's also the community that's around you. You know, the the community you build while training at a boxing or martial arts gym. Um, that, that for me, that's that's really a, a big input into that. Um, you know, obviously with boxing to get in shape, you have to be disciplined. You got to be on time. You know, you got to you can't cut corners, especially if you're going to fight. Even if you're preparing for a white collar fight, you know, um, if you cut corners and you you, you know you, you're cheating in the gym, it's going to be seen in the ring. You know, and if you take that into real life. You, you know, it, it can only benefit you in your work, in your life, you know, not cutting corners, doing things the right way because it will, it will show up in the end result. Um, the only thing with boxing is it will show up in front of everyone and you'll get knocked out, you know. So that's, that, that's why that's the only difference with boxing. But I just think t- 
taking the discipline, you know, the respect and, and always in boxing, there's always someone better than you. Um, even if, as a white collar, as a white collar boxer coming to the gym where you see people that are like really advanced, but how humble they are and how willing they are to help uh, just shows, you know, humility for me in life can, can go a long way. You know, sometimes talent is not going to always open doors for you, but humility and, and being a good person is, is for me, is what comes first in a boxing gym, you know? So coming to a gym and seeing these people around you that, that are, are, are some, some of them are fighting on an elite level, but they're humble and they're willing to help someone that's come, came into the gym for the first time, you know, just stuff like, like small things like that is also what, what changes people's lives in a boxing gym. It's not just a physical aspect of it. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give you an open-ended question now. What would you say is the bedrock of your approach? How you, what is, so obviously you guys, first of all, you've been a boxing gym for six, seven years. What's it on? Eight years now? Eight, nine, ten. Yeah, a long while. Years. And you've been a business. You've managed to stay, keep your head above water for that long. And having worked in startup environments in both abroad and here in Cape Town, I see how many small businesses go under so quickly. Mm-hmm. They have, I mean, I see on even the show Shark Tank, these guys with Ivy League MBAs and their business went under. They couldn't get funding for anything. They were just not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so easy, yeah. what is the bedrock of your approach? If you had to give your approach to um, helping the clients achieve the goals and keeping the business open and where those two overlap and open-ended floors yours. So the bedrock, I mean, if you're talking about people business that are failing, I would say uh, a lot of people are starting too big, too early. I would, that's, it's, that's a big thing. So um, when you go into the industry, boxing or martial arts, sometimes people expect to be in a, a certain place in their business and they want to skip steps, you know, and um, sort of, it's sort of like boxing. It's like when you start boxing, you got to learn footwork for a month. you got to learn punching you got to learn your defense then you start doing drills before you get into the ring sparring then once you spar one day you fight and you grow like that you know so i think the bedrock of business and of of training in my gym is one step at a time and don't skip the steps to reach a goal where you want to be and and rush things you know so um I think that's a, the big thing about Madfit is myself and my partner, Don, we started, I started boxing when I was 13. Don started training when he was 13 and uh, we opened our business and we had four bags and literally no, like no money and four bags. And we were happy and we we're proud of that, you know, and because martial arts for me was boxing is never something that I wanted to do for likes on Instagram or for a quick buck, you know, it's something that I knew knew since I was a young kid, my partner too. And it was just something we do and something we've, it's just something it's in our blood, you know? So we started from that small, the small steps of having that business in that small space for two years, building it one, one bag at a time, one client at a time, you know, um, uh, they're going a bit bigger and, and so on and so forth, you know, uh, and it's the same thing with the training client comes to the gym. They tell me, Oh, I want to be a champion or I want to lose 20 kilos, but it's start, it starts with small steps. It starts coming to the gym on time, you know, yes. it starts coming three times a week and then building it. And I think especially the younger generation today, 
with Instagram and things, people are seeing end results and they want the end results within a year, within two years, and they rush things and that's when it fails, in my opinion, you know. Mm. Um, and if I look at, uh, uh, yeah, and it, it's just, um, it's hard because in, the, in those times when you've got a small little gym and no one cares about you, uh, it's, it's hard to stay motivated. You know, it's easy to stay motivated when everyone knows who you are and, you know, you're in shape and everyone's praising you, then it's easy to stay motivated. But when you, you're sort of starting out and no one's noticing you and you've got to wake up and do everything by yourself and that's tough. And I think a lot of people struggle to get to that, that part. But if you start slowly, you start gradually and you build your way up, whether it's fitness, business, uh, anything in life, each step at a time, don't skip steps. I think that's when you have something of value and that will stay. Hmm. So having said all of that, I think it, a, lot of, a, a lot of that's going to be answers again to the next question, which would be hmm. someone's interested in getting it to you. Um, someone might be listening to this podcast. They've swum their whole lives. They've played rugby their whole lives. They haven't done a martial art, but they've been very good at a sport. But they said, you know what? If this, I want to get into boxing. What is the best advice you can give to them going forward? Well, I think the, the best advice is find the right coach. I think that's, that's a good, very good place to start because the coach is everything. Um, if find the right coach, think about why you want to box, whether it's for fitness, whether you want to fight one day, um, whether you, you know, find, find your reason why you want to do it and then go and start, you know, but, uh, my main thing is a right coach because a, 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 a coach can make and break the experience for you. You know, mm-hmm. the wrong coach can completely break you in whether it's fitness, where you want to fight, where you just want to learn. Um, some coaches can give you a false sense of like a false sense of confidence where you think you're better than you actually are. And then when you compete or you go into a, a go into an environment where you, you, there's people that are better than you, you actually find out, the hard way, you know, and then that can also break someone. So the, my main thing, if you want to start boxing in your area or your town or wherever you are, look up a coach that's been there, that's had fighters, that's been around, that's been in the ring, that's someone that's really doing this because it's what they've done for many years and not just looking to make a quick buck. That for me is a, is, is a very key, uh, key point. No, that's very resonates well, resonates well. Yeah. So, We've gone over the philosophy of, of the business side of things, the boxing side of things. Um, you yourself, let's focus on you yourself. What mm. one moment stands out to you as a coach, one or two, that you said you can look back, that you think, I know you've got a long career ahead of you, but mm. moments that have happened now that you can say, yeah, that, that was a good day. Yeah. That was a good day. Memorable moments and what made it special to you? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, so I would say one that really there's two or three, but the one one that really stands out is when uh, myself and Don we went to uh, Don's UFC debut in Canada, hmm. uh, and uh, he was a five to one underdog there. He was fighting against T Edwards. He's a uh, was I think he got six knockouts in a row, and he was he won the Ultimate Fighter, wrestler, American guy, really really a strong fighter. Uh, and that was Don's debut in the UFC. And when we got to Canada, the the feeling being there was was like. And back then, 
think there was only one South African in there before him. I think there was one South African, but he didn't. J- do well. I think JP Base was floating around. It was done before JP. No, 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 no. That was 2018. So I think it was Ruan Potts. I think Ruan Potts got knocked out twice or three times Oof. before that. Oh, uh, and then I think it was Gareth Soldier Boy. He did well, but nothing. You know, n- nothing. No to fireworks. Really, yeah, nothing to really put South Africa on the map. Mm. So sort of going there, the feeling was it felt a bit like. You know, we came there just to make up the numbers and this guy's, you know, the American dream. Anyway, so we went there and Don, um, especially in, in that back then in, that, in, the, in the States and even in Canada, you know, uh, Don never had a big name. I mean, South Africa doesn't really have a big name in, in, in that side of the world, you know. Mm. So anyway, we went there and the, the, the arena was packed and the first round went and Don dropped him with the left hand. And the one moment, like, to see the look in his face, to see, he, I don't think he's ever been dropped, just sitting cage side and seeing him looking in his eyes after Don drops him with that left hand, that was pretty priceless. Anyway, he got up and they, they carried on fighting. And then um, the second round came and uh, Don had him up against the cage. And then, I don't know if you've seen that knockout. I have, I have, yeah. I will, for those listening, we'll link it in the show notes below. It is. Yeah, beautiful. yeah. So I was sitting there uh, with Richie, Richie Kwan, and uh, Cage side and, and Don's brother, Seth, and uh, uh, he obviously uh, he pushed uh, the head in a clinch, and then Don um, landed a few shots, and he moved off, and Don hit him with the head kick. And that yeah. moment of that head kick, of him folding, and like us going off, and Don jumping on the cage, <laughs> and being like, like yeah. just seeing that head kick right there, Cage side, after, you know, myself and Don coming from, from when we were 20 years old, you know, you didn't even know, I didn't even, I didn't know UFC then. I was like, UFC, I mean, we didn't have a gym. We, you yeah. know, so that moment was like really surreal, you know, coming there, Don doing that. And, and he got the bonus that there, night, I remember. Got the bonus, yeah, I got the bonus oh. that night. And just being there in the corner and being cage side of the UFC and just seeing that, that was definitely a stand-up moment for me in, in my career as a coach. Were you with Don when he fought on the prelims in Abu Dhabi? No, no, no. I wasn't there at, at, at that the fight. The Khabib card. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Must have oh, been insane. Yeah, no. no I didn't go So... What are the future plans for Madford? I saw you flirting with Madford promotions. You're getting into the, yeah. I don't know. So was, yeah, anticipating so Dana's done. Matt. <laughs> so I've always promoted and I've always been involved in that side of things. Um, and uh, myself and Don. So we decided let's not just make an extension of Madford. We've got so many fighters fighting out of our gym, boxing, Muay Thai, amateur boxing. Um, so. MMA. So yeah, we've just made an extension of Madfoot MMA to Madfoot Promotions now, and uh, we did our, our we did our first small show uh, under Madfoot. Uh, no, that was our third one. We've done a few, but under the banner of Madfoot Promotions, mm. we did our first one last year, uh, November to December. Sorry, and now we're doing one on the 11th of March. So we've got a stacked fight card. We got BK, little giant, and if you know BK, yes, yes, um, yes, we see, I see him often on the Madfoot Instagram. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a he's a real deal. He's got a one championship contract, doesn't he? He's like yeah, he's, for he's South very, Africans yeah. need to know. If you don't, what does Dana White say? If you don't know, now you know. 
He's one <laughs> exactly. of those. South Africans need to get on his heels for as for yeah. real as it comes. Also, the last couple of years, he hasn't fought in um, in South Africa. So, uh, uh, yeah, so he'll be fighting. Um, uh, he'll be fighting on that card. So, which will be good because he hasn't fought in a few years. So he'll be fighting his professional Muay Thai debut. And uh, he'll be the main event. He's still he's still signed to one championship, but yeah, he, we just thought, you know what? Let's we want a big name, a proper name. Uh, Books really wants to fight in front of his home crowd. He's actually from mm. Cape Town, so okay. he, wants, he wants to fight in front of his hometown. And uh, yeah, it's going to be epic. It's going to be seeing him. You know, he he uh, he's an epic fighter. So seeing him in a five-round Muay Thai fight is going to be special. No, it's going to be insane. So let's look. I will link that in the show notes as well. Um, the state of South African boxing. So mm. it has a proud, proud history. You've got your family down the line. And then obviously I did my homework and I saw South Africa has 19 medals in Olympic boxing. So for the swimmers, the athletes, the rowers, the whatever listening to this, that's third overall for South Africa at the Olympic Games mm. um, by sport. I think it goes swimming, athletic swimming, then boxing still. And we haven't had a boxing medal in who knows how long and boxing is still in our top three medal sports. And we saw Kevin Lorena take Daniel Dubois. He was very unlucky not to win that. Um, So the state of South African boxing where one, I understand amateur and professional are two totally two different things, but the state of South African boxing. Give us your, you know, I think we've got so much talent uh, so much talent in South Africa. Boxing, we've got the most world champions out of any other sport in boxing. You know that over the in That's South insane. Africa, the most world champions in, in box uh, out of any other sport. It's in boxing. Amateur so, or professional world champions. Professional, yeah, professional, professional world champions. Jeepers. Yeah. So the thing is, and so we got so much talent in this country, you know, uh, but you know. I think like a lot of things in this country, the infrastructure isn't that great. Mm. There's no step-by-step step to becoming a world champion in, in South Africa. Um, when you turn pro, you're not guaranteed, when, you, when you're amateur, you're not guaranteed to go to the Olympics. You know, you're not guaranteed if you're good enough. You can have the talent, yeah, but you, it's very easy to get lost in the system because of the infrastructure. Um, you know, in the UK, there's, there's sports institutes for boxing. You know, you go there as a kid, you got a program, you train training twice a day, you're good enough, you fight, you, 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 they groom you, you win the nationals there, you go into the world, you win. There's no question, is there going to be funding? You know, is there going to be, are we going to get selected from worlds? You, if you're good enough, you get selected, you, you go to the Olympics. If you're living in the UK or in America, you win the Olympics or you get a gold, silver, a bronze in the Olympics, you're a star. You get, yeah. you get signed by top rank, you get signed by... Sh- Whoever, Showtime, Bob Arum, Eddie Hearn, and you are in the money. Half the world knows you, you, you know. Here, the infrastructure is very difficult. You know, you have to really fight your way through, literally. You know, if you're having talent, it's not, it's not it's, you know, you've got to go through the system and sometimes the funding lacks and sometimes there's an admin error and then uh, the Olympics, we don't get chosen for the Olympics or we miss the Olympic trials. You know, sometimes the promoters don't have enough money to bring the big fights here because of the RAND also. So mm. if you're a really good fighter here, you're really a good boxer here, 
say you're 10 and 0 and you need to get an opponent that's ranked somewhere in the top 20 or top 30 in the world, it's very difficult to bring him down here and pay him and get a fight that's in your favor. So that's why a lot yeah. of uh, South boxers, we go to, the, go to the UK, go to America because we can get paid, but there the, st- the, the odds are stacked against us. You know, course, you're forced to course. take a fight maybe you're too early in your career. Then you lose or you lose twice in a row there. And then, you know, it's hard to get your career back on track. It doesn't mean that you've been good enough. Because for me, boxing is all about timing. You have to get the right fight at the right time. No matter how good you are, if you get tested too early or you get tested too late, you're not going to, you know, it's all about timing. And to have that right timing in your career, you need a promoter with money that can do that for you. 100%. You know, and we don't have enough, we don't have, have enough of that. So, um, but talent-wise and, um, and you know, I mean, boxing's all over, you know, there's gyms all over and uh, it's just the talent, the, the infrastructure and getting the opportunity to get there, you know. Uh, with MMA, it's getting a little, it's getting a little better, but it's still not, you know, it's still, it's still not where it should be. So that's, yeah, uh, I think I mean, with the MMA, they look to be putting the, just like the scaffolding, you know, what do you mean to say infrastructure, the scaffolding yeah. in with there the African go, yeah. championships of IMAF, the amateur arm of MMA. There you know, they're there sending go. kids to that now. And, you know, it's slowly, I'm not even going to say infrastructure, say scaffolding. It's getting, it's yeah, just yeah. getting there. Yeah, exactly. You know, so boxing and like I've been to all the national tournaments, amateurs, I've been to the biggest boxing shows also. And there's so much talent, but I see some kids that are 10, 12, 13, they're boxing or, you know, teenagers and they're brilliant. They've had a hundred fights, but, you know, where they tell me, yeah, oh, but coach, I live in, you know, I live in a rural area or I live in, a, I don't, they don't have the money or the funding. They don't, they, so they, they have a hundred amateur fights and they, what do they do next? You know, and you know, yeah. the promoters can only help, you know, the big promoters in South Africa can only help certain amounts of guys. So certain amount will go through, you know, like Kevin and there's been some great world champions recently, Kevin. And, um, but, mm. uh, 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 but the thing is, there's so many that just fall through the system. But in first world countries, those guys, there's hundreds of boxers that are training for a living, you know. Yeah, yeah, in South Africa, you know, you have to sort of have a job. So you have to be a full-time professional, which is a job. Then you have to have a job to support that, you know. And then how, how, how much time can you put to training? How good can you actually get? Quality you know? of training falls completely, yeah. You know? So it's just, it's, it's, it's not, and it's not anyone's fault. I just think it's we're in a third world country and I think it's just not as easy or the, 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 yeah, like the infrastructure and the path isn't as clear. But there's some guys in Africa that will beat a lot of guys that are top in the world right now but nobody knows them and they just sort of you know, fall off the way or fall off and mm. you just, just never get the opportunity. Yeah. I remember, I think historically South Africa has been a focus, even at school level. I remember being a young boy at one of, I was very lucky to go to a very prestigious school in South Africa in Cape town. And I used to, they obviously all, they have the history of all the photos, sports photos on the side of the wall and you used to see like under 11 boxing team, under 13 boxing team. And like, there's all these boys a bit like, I think a lot of the Constantia moms would shudder at the thoughts of, of Johnny getting in the ring in a Ronda Bosch yeah. Bishop's boxing match. Uh, look, crazy. I think the boys would love it. The boys would yeah. absolutely love it, but yeah. I don't think the parents would be too behind it. And it's, it's weird because I think it's safer than rugby, you know? A hundred percent at schoolboy you know, level. 
hundreds of percent. I think it may say, you know what, I think at a school level, even if the boys don't have to fight, but if they're training boxing and learning how to, how to, how to look after themselves, learning the discipline, respecting one another in the gym, I think it will, you know, I think bullying will get less because it builds a camaraderie. And also when you know how to fight and you understand boxing, you're not going to bully somebody. And if you 100%. do get bullied, you'll be able to stand up for yourself and he's not going to bully you again. So I think it creates a nice, it would create something that, that a lot of schools need, especially youngsters, you know, and the discipline and just a lot of things. I think the, 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 the punching and the, the getting hit to the head is way safer than, uh, especially at an amateur level, than, than rugby. I just don't mm. know that, you know, just unfortunately there's a stigma attached to, to boxing, not everywhere, but you know, I think it's just still a stigma where it's violent and, uh, but yeah, I just think it's, it's, a, I mean, it's a first I think, thing from, uh, yeah, I think with rugby being, uh, we wouldn't even call rugby a sport in South Africa. It's a culture. It's an embedded yeah, thing. I think exactly. if I was a rugby coach, if I was a rugby coach, I'd want my kids boxing or wrestling in the off season. It's a hang of a lot better for them standing around playing cricket. 100%. Jeez, your you know, kid is going to be a conditioned beast by the exactly. time rugby rocks around. And then you just jaw. You don't have to worry about yeah. fitness sessions and stuff. He's been exactly. running hills for six months already. Exactly. And I boxing think. is, you know, if you train properly, it's pretty easy on the body. If you're sparring, I mean, if you're sparring 12 rounds against another fighter, it's not that easy on the body. But training-wise, it's very, the injury risk is very low and it's, it's easy on the body. You get a good workout. So pre-season training or off-season training, cross-training from rugby onto that, I think it's perfect. I've trained a lot of rugby players in my time and they love it, you know. Yeah, I've so, seen Stephen Kitsoff at the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve, Steve, and, Steve and his wife have been training with me for like 10 years. And he's off-season and when he's, when he's, he's on a four-week holiday now, and he's training just to, you know, in the gym with me, just keeping, just ticking over, you know, it's just something, it's something nice for, for, you know, something different to keep the mind active and just, yeah, just sweat, keep the body moving. Yeah. So we've got five minutes left and I wanted to throw some fun questions your way. Cool, yeah. So I uh, got a few input from some friends, but we thought this, these four would be the nice ones. So does Alex beat Izzy a fourth time? <laughs> so it seems like um it seems like uh you get that one lot in a lot of in the fight game you get that one fighter i think Izzy's a better fighter than him i think so too but, but there's just something about alex that that Izzy is he's just got a mental block against him it yeah. seems you know what i mean yeah um, I think he could definitely could beat him. Depends how it comes out on the night, but he's definitely got a mental block against him. I mean, especially it was the same left hook that landed now and that did uh, the same sort of yeah, in the second he, boxing fight, second more, uh, more yeah, second kickboxing yeah. fight. Yeah, yeah, in that that uh, uh, it was kickboxing. I think it was a kickboxing, kickboxing fight. Yeah. So um, um, yeah, so I think uh, Izzy can definitely beat him, but he's definitely in his head. You, you I've yeah. seen that happen a lot. I've seen. It's just that like some fighters just I don't know what it is about him, but it's obviously uh it's he's definitely in Izzy's head. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think he definitely could beat him. Definitely. Mm. Okay. Who is the lineal heavyweight champion of the world at the end of twenty twenty three? 
Given that heavyweight honest, boxing fights take five years to materialize. Yeah, yeah, true. But uh, to be honest, I don't think anyone can beat Tyson Fury. I think um, Usyk needs to be... Tyson needs to be careful of Usyk uh, if they fight for the Undisputed now in April or March, whenever it should. Mm. I think Usyk is a very good boxer. He's, he's a little bit smaller than, than Fury, but uh, he's very skilled. He's, Ukrainians are... They're people that can fight, so you know you can never take a, a Ukrainian lightly. Um, so I think uh, Tyson Fury needs to be on point with him, but um, I think he he should he should win. So I, if, is, I mean, if Usyk can't do it, I don't think anyone can right now with Fury. I think he's the man. Eh? He's too yeah, big. Like, he moves yeah. too well. Yeah. My karate he's instructor just, said the the problem is. Your size doesn't matter in boxing if the one guy knows how to box. But the problem is when the guy can box and he's six foot nine. <laughs> problems that's tend that's to arise. That's the thing, you know. It's oh. it's yeah. So that's the thing. Fury is six foot nine, yeah, but he can move. He's got speed. Yeah. He's got power. He's smart, and um, he's not just wildly very, swinging. That's the thing, you know. It'll be interesting. Usyk Usyk throws a lot of combinations. He's a southpaw, which is always tricky. Um, you know, he's not, he's not very small. He's not a very small heavyweight, but he is a lot smaller than, than look, look, Usyk's not going to knock Fury out. We know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wilder couldn't put him away. So yeah. Usyk's definitely going to put him away. Um, so yeah, it's going to be very, I'm looking forward to that big time. But for me, I think right now, Fury, Joshua won't beat Fury. Uh, maybe, maybe Joe Joyce, maybe Joe Joyce. I've looked at Joe Joyce. I watched him against yeah. Daniel Dubois where he just stopped him with a jab. And yeah, Joe Joyce has got the. Yeah. I think he's taking over Joshua's place as the the British the yeah. British hope the big British hope. He's yeah. a tank. So, eh? so if if, if beats um, Fury, I'm sure it will be Joe Joyce next, or we'll see what happens. But I think he must be careful with Joe Joyce too. But I just I think you I think I just think he's superior right now in this. Actually, Fury would have given any, any heavyweight in any era a really hard fight. Yeah, Even I think the, so you know, too. the the Mike Tyson's. Uh, I don't think he would have. I don't think I'm not saying he would have beat them, but he would have given them a, a really good fight. He's a he's a really good fighter. Mm, okay, last question. Give us three or four names in boxing professional or amateur that the casual viewer doesn't know about yet, but we have to keep an eye on? I would say, uh, okay, Shakur Stevenson, he's a world champion. I don't know if you know him, Shakur Stevenson. The name rings a bell, but we'll link all the names down below. Yeah. So he's not a prospect. He's already, he's a unified world champion, um, but he's not, hasn't got a huge name like the Canelos and the average Mm. fan doesn't, won't really know him, but he is, very good, very, so very good. So we got Shakur Stevenson, very good boxer, and then the guys that are up and coming that aren't world champions. I, w- I would have said Conor Ben, um, but now mm-hmm. that he got passed for for those PEDs, Oof. I'm not sure, you know. Oof. But Conor Ben was, was an upcoming guy. He wasn't a world champ. He was one to watch. And then there's one, one or two guys. Jaron Ennis. He's yeah. uh, I don't know if you know Jaron Ennis. No, no, He's I don't. I don't. I have to look at him. He is. Okay. He's special, American guy, really good. He's like a Floyd Mayweather. He's brilliant. So he's also yeah. definitely one to watch, I would cool. say. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate you taking awesome. the time. Awesome, I really, you, I learned Thank a ton you. in this. Hey guys, that was Matt Lishing. Excuse us getting cut off a little bit at the end there. We, 
underestimated the time limits. Be sure to like and subscribe. We've got Olympians, we've got CEOs, and I can't wait to take you with me on this journey that's going to be the Corporate Warrior. Stay safe and have a fantastic weekend. Lots of love to you all.